Guys, do you want thicker, fuller hair? Do you desire lustrous, luscious locks that you can run your fingers through? Maybe a full head of hair makes you feel attractive. Perhaps a full head of hair boosts your confidence and self-esteem. Whatever your reasons, if you have started to experience hair loss, there is good news. Because there are effective, FDA-approved treatments that work. One is a prescription clinically proven to prevent further loss. The other is clinically proven to regrow your hair in two to four months. And both are available from Roman for just a dollar a day. Just complete a free online visit. Roman connects you to a U.S. licensed healthcare professional who will work with you to find the best treatment plan. Then Roman sends everything you need right to your door with free shipping and indiscreet packaging. So guys, are you Roman ready for a thicker, fuller head of hair? Go to ro.co slash fuller. Do it today and Roman will give you 20% off your first order. That's ro.co slash fuller. It's time to go one-on-one with DP. Coming at you live from the Copple Chevrolet GMC Studios, here is your host, Derek Pearson. Presented by Beatrice Bakery on 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com. Let's get to it. Let's get to it on a Thursday one-on-one. On Thursdays, brought to you by Beatrice Baker. Special features on Thursdays. The Barry Thompson Hour, brought to you by Ambition Electric. Wonderful folks at Ambition Electric. Joe Davis and company, find them, call them. Do so now. Why? Because they allow us to bring the next guest. To spend time with us, he's busy. And amongst his busy day, he has time for us. And it's greatly appreciated. So, 402-464-5685, Sarder Heyman text line, Honda Lincoln hotline. Uh, the video streams are up, Facebook, YouTube, Twitch, and drumroll, Twitter Live. Twitter Live. It's on the Twitter. Twitter. The Twitter. So let's bring him in appropriately. The autumn wind is a pirate. Blustering in from sea. With a rollicking song, he sweeps along, swaggering boisterously. His face is weather-beaten. He wears a hooded sash. With a silver hat about his head and a bristling black mustache, he growls as he storms the country, a villain big and bold. And the trees all shake and quiver and quake as he robs them of their gold. The autumn wind is a raider, pillaging just for fun. He'll knock you round and upside down and laugh when he's conquered and won. Best friend, pal, dad, QB, Barry Thompson. What up, DP? What's happening, Barry Thompson? What's up, bro? What's happening? Just got off the field. I'm sitting here in the parking lot ready to to talk to you for a while. It's um, appreciated because you get to help us reset 
uh, the, the GPS, to reset the direction of, of thought and conversation. I We're going to get into some silliness, so right off the bat. Uh, Slurpees or Icy's or Snow Cones? No, DP, you know where we're from. Right. <laughs> right. It, it's Slurpees, man. I mean, Slurpees in the summer. It was so funny. Um, the Just, we had a hot, like a, kind of like a summer day. Spring is still fighting, you know, but we had a kind of summer-like day. And the first thing I did, I said, man, I need to, I need to go 7-Eleven. <laughs> like, it's a thing, right? And, and. Yeah, I thought immediately, like, man, you know what? I'd love, I'd love to have a, a Slurpee machine at the station. Yeah, but then I thought that yeah. might not be a good idea. Well, it depends on whether you, you make it a margarita machine or not. Because it would, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. Well, the other thing is that I mean, practically speaking, there's some maintenance involved with those machines. My dad uh, owned a roller rink; he had the icing machine. And, uh, you know, that there's some maintenance involved. So if you get it, make sure you got the maintenance covered. Yeah, I mean, that's a big part of it, right? Uh, that we need to be. Mm-hmm. You, you, now, you bring up your dad and the roller skating ring. Do you mm-hmm. remember where you, what's, what's, the, what's the facility that you skated at here in Lincoln? In Lincoln, it was the Persian Auditorium. Um, the, the headquarters for kind of, um, it was a you know, big amateur sport, so the ROSRA, I think, and then something called USAC. I think they were both located in Lincoln. And then the idea, because at the time, in the you know, 60s, 70s, um, and early 80s, there was an amateur sport. There was this attempt to kind of hold the national championships toward the center of the U.S. So the time I was skating, all the national championships either took place at Pershing Auditorium in Lincoln or uh, Will Rogers uh, Coliseum in Fort Worth, Texas. How did you do here? You know, I, I, I think I looked up, I, I did well. Um, I don't, I forget where I actually won the national championship. So in my career, uh, of skating, I skated both on the, the artistic side, which was the figure skating, the dance and the pairs and all that stuff. I played hockey when I was little. And then I also skated on the speed side. My first two championships were on the speed skating side, and I'll have to look up whether it was Pershing or whether it was Will Rogers. Uh, finished first one year and then moved up a class, finished second. And then after that, my figure skating career took over, and then right as I was graduating high school, um, I placed third in what they call the Junior Men's International Competition, which was one level below the seniors and that the significance was at the senior level that third place finish would have qualified me for a world championship team. But, um, at that point, cause I'd been doing everything up into 12th grade at that point, football took over and you had in the college, uh, I was still a knucklehead. So I went to college. I wrestled and played football for the first year. And after that, uh, first year of wrestling, I said, you know what? I don't love wrestling like that. <laughs> <laughs> so finally in my career, uh, for the first time in college, I was down to one sport. I had competed in eight different sports uh, coming up. And um, I always quiz people. They can never get it right. They usually miss the gymnastics because I did gymnastics at one point. Uh, but, yeah, finally when I got into after my freshman year, I was finally down to one sport, which was football. Um, it's just time. Well, the first the first college stop, 
you, you think as you travel around the country that you have a pretty good feel for, for what a place is. Um, and a lot of the, the recruiting decision or the decision on where to go to school comes from a visit. Uh, what yeah. was, what, what, what led you to your first stop, your first collegiate stop? Well, I don't remember what order they were in, but I remember, so I was a tweener. And so there were some division one schools that were considering me. I remember I took an official visit to Virginia tech, mm-hmm. um, that, that Virginia tech, by the way, for all your listeners, it's not the top 10 Virginia tech. It was a different program at that time, mm-hmm. but it was still, you know, division one program. So tech was one of them. Um, I think of all places I used an official to, um, Johns Hopkins, mm-hmm. and then uh, one to Davidson. So two Division One schools, one Division Three, and uh, didn't really know what I was going to do. And had used up my officials. I really wanted to get into Brown for some reason. I've been put on the wait list at Dartmouth, and for Brown, for me, it was a school that I just wanted to go to, and I didn't get in. And um, one day, Mr. Pasati, he called me uh, to the office. I met a coach named Coach Aldridge. And Coach says, I, I want you to speak to this, this guy. So he starts talking. We went to Washington Lee High School. And he starts talking to me about Washington Lee University. And I was like, well, whatever, but I've used up my three visits. And he says, well, we have this thing called the, the general fund. And it's a fund that targets 50 people out of the class that they want to come in. And it's just like an official recruiting visit. They pay your way there and, you know, meals and you know all that stuff so i i made them pay i could have driven three hours but i drove <laughs> to national airport called a plane down the roanoke had them pick me up and drive me to Lexington. right right <laughs> and it was on that visit that i just got this vibe um from the campus and the guys that were playing football the team wasn't very good but i just got this vibe that everybody there kind of cared about what they were doing and if to go back for your listeners, I had come through a high school experience, which is pretty good, but not quite as good as it could have been because there was a little bit of apathy with some of the football players. They didn't like it the way I liked it. As many guys didn't like it the way they liked it. Mm-hmm. And I thought it fell short. And one of the things when I was looking at Davidson and considered that versus Washington Lee was they had a bunch of guys that were recruited just like I was. Like he was recruited by Florida State and he was at Davidson by Notre Dame, and he was at Davidson. So I'm like, okay, that's cool, but why are you here? And they couldn't really answer that. And I go, I'm not getting in with a bunch of guys that don't know why you're not here. Right. So I chose Washington Lee, which seems like an odd choice in today's environment where everything was, you know, everything is Division One, right? But I wanted to be at a place where academics were important and being good at football was important. That was very attractive to me. And I made the right choice um, for a couple of reasons. I made the right choice because that team that wasn't any good went on the, my sophomore year to win a conference championship. First, they'd won in since 1960-something. And after my sophomore year, my AD called me um, because there was another AD calling around looking for defensive backs. And he says, I've got a guy here who can play. And so I contemplated leaving Washington League at that point for division one. But then I said to myself, well, if I was division one kind of, you know, in the beginning that school was taking a look at me, now I'm here going into my third year and now division one's calling me. 
evidently I'm good enough to play Division One, so why not just stay here with the guys that I'm doing it with? And if I want to do anything after, you know, I, ha- I have a, obviously have the talent to do it. So I'm glad I stayed. And the value of me staying and the value of that choice, although I was always proud of it, really hit me probably about 10 years ago when the, the teammates started connecting up again, you know, and it was amazing, you know, what they were doing and that I was part of this family. Um, I'd been a part of the family all along. I just didn't know it. And so when those coaches talk about four years for 40, it's actually true if it's good. And um, I wouldn't change a thing. I, it was a great experience. What what makes it a great experience? Because that's the part that when transfer portal the people, well, yeah, when the transfer people. portal conversations happen, um, yeah. they they miss like people gloss over the fact that the experience is the important thing, right? That, yeah, the, yeah, the experience and the journey is the thing. I, you know, we we I'll try to draw an analogy. There's a good piece of wisdom that says that you shouldn't do things ever for just because of money and you shouldn't um, double negative here should should never not do something just because of money Mm -hmm. so to draw the analogy to to what make it analogous to what i was doing you know i i didn't do anything just because of division one right and i shouldn't not have moved just because of division one i stayed because that school and that environment had what i wanted which is I wanted good academics and I wanted um, guys that were serious about football. So it was easy for me to say that this is what I value versus, you know, running around saying I I was division one. I didn't worry about the competition level. Uh, I'd always in the summer, you know, had the chance because of our area to run across, you know, Eric Stevers or some guys going to Notre Dame, you know, that, that, that was, that was not hard for me to extract. So, for me, it was the experience, and ultimately, I was too young to understand it. But you know, I had some wisdom injected into me that it was the right thing to do, and it had to do with the people. We had coaches that cared, and they were characters. And uh, matter of fact, I'm getting together with uh, three of the buddies from that class uh, Saturday. They just reached out, kind of like us, hadn't talked in a year, and uh, says, "Hey, we're getting together. Could you come on?" I'm like, "Yeah, I'll, I can make it work." And uh, there's places in this country, if I if I was to go to Dallas right now, there's at least three people I can call like right away and they're like, hey, why aren't you at the house right now? And these are guys I haven't seen since um, since I left school. And it's just the way it is. I can go to Mass, and I know there's a couple of people I can call there. I can go, to, I can go down to Delta, Mississippi, and John McKee will say, come on over. And, you know, it's just the way that it is. So it's a, it's a, the value of it is tremendous. Like that's the good stuff talking to Barry Thompson, um, and Coach. This this thing with transfer portal and the like. It just I want to remind folks. I mean, the difference between who people are at seventeen versus when they are at nineteen versus when they are at twenty one. The value of student athletes to themselves, to the community, to the universities, and to the programs changes with the young with the young people we're talking about right we're asking people to make decisions at 17 that commit them for the next four years not knowing who you're going to be or what you're going to become 
and then commit to that for four years as though you're fully formed at 17 years old and that you also have the resources to make that kind of decision that will affect the next 40 years of your life. Have, have, are we losing focus? Well, you know, there, there's, there's two sides to the realm. One is the general kind of looking at it from the outside and, you know, what's causing all this and there's all the, that conversation. But I want to give you – and so we can all have that conversation again. You know, the coaches make the money, the players are changing, you know, they're commodities. You know, you, that's another whole conversation. But let me give you one that, that, that maybe young people should consider, and this comes from me coaching quarterbacks. Um, the quarterback position, they're trying to become one. At all the other positions on the field, if you think about it, there's multiple chances for you to get on the field. There's a rotation of running backs sometimes. There's definitely a line rotation on both sides of the ball. There's multiple linebackers, and if you switch schemes and you can substitute situationally, and multiple defensive backs and packages that can go in, plus special teams, you know, kick. There's even kickers, right? You can have a punter, you know, a long, you know, and long snappers, right? First short snaps, all multiple opportunities. The quarterback is just one. And so the other thing I want to bring to this as people jumping in and out of the portal is there is a value to staying where you are and fighting your behind off to earn what you want. There's a value to that, right? And some of that value, whether it's worth it to you, has a lot to do with the environment that you're in, you're in. Right. So I've had two quarterbacks there that, you know, and that they're getting close to getting their times on the field, but they've had to fight through. Right. Um, you know, this this kind of working without knowing where the light, if there was light at the end of the tunnel. But now they're literally both uh, a snap away and certainly a year away from being the guy. And they have become different young men through that process um they have become better quarterbacks through that process and they are fully capable now of taking the keys to the car now hit the rewind machine if those two had kind of looked ahead and made some assumptions about whether they're going to play the next minute or so and they checked out and went to different schools i'm not sure that they would be the young men that they are now and i'm not sure that they would be as close as they are to maybe playing after uh, college. So there's a lot more to consider than just, am I going to play, right? Because at some point in your life, and this is what we're talking about, football, the best thing about football is always that it's more than just football. At some point in your life, you're going to fight through some crap. And, if it's a case of you're just looking for the easy way out, I don't know that there's a lot of value in that. So you got to combine the two and make a judgment. Yeah, because the other end of the spectrum, um, and, and there are several places in between the, the extremes, but the other end of the spectrum is where you can change your life. Yeah, right. Like right. We're talking about the very nature versus nurture where – making a decision about where you play ball can help your family, your community and your life going forward as well. You're exactly right. And and let me dovetail the, the ability, these two guys, the reason that they've been able to make the decision to stay and fight 
is because their environment welcomes not it's not like they're all holding hands it's still a cold you know one case right you know it's still a cold big business because he's a big 10 quarterback Mm -hmm. right it's still everything that goes with that program but there's enough of that environment enough of what's being um preached and practiced that at that tipping point he said yeah i'm gonna stay right and on the other hand smaller school but fcs program um, but there's enough of everything else that he likes about the environment, the school, his major, the place where he is, it'll stay in fight. And the other thing, the third thing, so we have the general conversation, the specific conversation I'm um, giving. The last component of it, I really think, DT, is that both of these guys are doing this for a bigger reason than themselves. You You have to have a bigger, much larger reason than just yourself in order to fight through these things. Otherwise, you just wind up doing things for money or you wind up doing things just because I want to play, right? Or I don't like a coach, you know, or I chose wrong and I don't like this town, right? Yeah. Um, this idea, of, you know, it was popular a couple of years ago, know your why and all that stuff, but you have to understand why are you doing this? Like, what is it for? You know, why are you going to wake up that day and put yourself through this rigorous schedule? One, because you love it. But even when you love things, it can get tough, right? So then why would you keep doing, where's your patience coming from? Where your patience come from because it's something really important. Uh, I'll quit talking to them a second. But, you know, imagine a husband and wife. They love each other. There's going to be times over the years where they don't like each other, you know right. what I mean? But what what makes them both kind of get through that period? Well, they're together for a much larger reason, typically a family, um, or it can be typically for their relationship. They value their relationship more than they value their own individual emotions, and the, the relationship has value to it. Um, but yeah, if you're gonna fight through adversity, you better have a big reason as to why you're doing it. Yeah, I think that 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 it's missed often that friction is required for greatness to happen. Oh, absolutely! Like it, it just <laughs> like pressure and friction have to happen, and it it doesn't mean a specific type of friction or 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 pressure that, but it is required. Like something has to move you and make you uncomfortable whether it's your place and station in life, whether it's the community that you're in, maybe it's the future, maybe it's you're running from the past, but whatever that thing is, it's required to move you. And I was asked to be a project in a book, and I want to ask you about this when we we come back from break, but I'll give you a couple of minutes to think about it. Uh, We were asked about the mindset mindset of winning. Yes. And what that means. And as I pondered it, of course, you and I have been in several of those situations, but I want to ask you when we come back from break, the mindset of winning and what it means to you. Yes. We'll do that when we come I'll back. Do, I'll, do, I'll do a tease. It's 3, it's three D. All right, That's that, a tease. That's a good start. We'll be right back with Barry right. Thompson here on The Ticket. Download our app by searching 93.7 The Ticket in your app store. You're listening to One on One with DP on 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com. 